0: Hello and welcome to episode 106 of the Confident Live Marketing Podcast.
1: We let our fear of simply taking that first step to stop us from taking that first step. And it's one of the biggest chasms that people have to cross.
0: Hello, my is Ian Anson Gray and this is episode 106 of the Confident Live Marketing Show. In today's show, we're gonna be talking about how you can boost your camera confidence and communication so, and I've got David H. Lawrence, the 17th, on the show, which I can't wait to introduce you to. So let's get on with the show!
1: Looks like it's time for something completely nutty!
2: How to boost your camera con.
1: Welcome to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray.
2: Helping you level up your impact, authority, and profits through the power of Confident Live Video.
1: Optimize your mindset and communication and increase your confidence in front of the camera.
2: Get confident with the tech and
0: gear. And get confident
1: with the content, content and, and marketing. marketing. Together! We
0: can go live! Well, hello. This is very exciting. Episode 106 of the Confident Live Marketing Show. This is the show that helps you level up your impact, authority and profits through the power of Confident Live video. Well, today we're going to be talking about how you can boost your confidence in front of the camera and how to communicate more effectively. Do you kind of feel that something is getting in the way? Sometimes, when I speak to clients and my audience around the world, that is definitely what it is. There's something getting in the way. Well, in today's episode, I'm joined by actor and teacher David H. Lawrence, the 17th, and we're going to be talking about the top tips on how you can communicate more effectively, professionally and authentically and, of course, boost your confidence While you're at it, just to let you know about next episode, if you listen to the podcast, this will be next Friday. I'm joined by the fabulous Lindsay Ann Gould. We're going to be talking about how to grow your podcast. And if you've been watching this show for a while, you'll know that I'm a big fan of repurposing your live show into a podcast. So that's what we're going to be talking about on Thursday's show. As always, we broadcast to a plethora of different destinations. And if you're listening to the podcast, you can find the show notes for this at iag.me forward slash 106. Well, I want to introduce my first sponsor of today, which is the fabulous Agora Pulse.
1: The Confident Live Marketing Podcast is made possible thanks to our sponsor, Agora Pulse. Agora Pulse is the all-in-one social media management tool. Publish, schedule, monitor, and engage on all your social media platforms. And with the social inbox, you and your team can manage all your messages, comments, and mentions all in one place and get to that magical inbox zero. And don't forget the amazing analytics and reporting so you can see how your social efforts are performing. Get your first move completely free at agorapulse.com forward slash Confident Live.
0: So I'm very excited to introduce to you David H. Lawrence, the 17th tell you a bit more about him well he has appeared on lost how i met your mother the mentalist csi and is best known as the creepy evil puppet master eric doyle on nbc's heroes and i thought actually it might be a good idea just to play you a short clip
1: just let her go please since when do you ask politely a lot of people are going to die if we don't stop this are you a shapeshifter is that dudley do right in there you can't hold us here forever I don't plan on it. Just long enough for Samuel to finish the show. Isn't that right, Em? Oh, I don't think she heard me. Are you okay? Oh, sorry. Please, listen to me. Samuel made me do it. Really? Because I thought you were the puppet master. Oh, come on.
0: (laughs) Oh, that brings back memories. Well, David also teaches voiceover at VOHeroes.com, and he created the best-selling app for actors, Rehearsal Pro. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, how are you? Can you hear me?
0: I can hear you. Yeah. Did we have some technical problems before, I think?
1: Yeah, I, I, I couldn't hear you. So I disconnected and reconnected. And I guess we're great now. And <laughs> this is one of those things that so people are so afraid of when they do live video is that something like that is going to happen. And that's what people dread. And look, we both survived.
0: We did. We, we survived. And, you know, I've been doing this for years, and it still happens occasionally. Sometimes the tech doesn't work. I'll look through see what happened and we'll learn from it. But uh, thank you for bearing with us on that. Sure. After watching that clip from heroes, you know, I started to feel a bit scared talking to you, (laughs) but how, you know, can you think back to, to that, that, to heroes and tell us a bit more what the experience was like with playing that character?
1: Yeah. So it was life changing. I came to Los Angeles after probably 35 years or so of doing radio, because I thought with this beautiful face and this amazing physique, you know, I was going to be heartthrob central. So I I did think that I was going to do an awful lot of comedy because that's what I was doing on morning radio here in the States. And yet the very first job I ever got was that job on heroes. And I was handed a brand that I didn't expect of creepy, evil villain. You know, I thought I'd be creepy, evil uncle or neighbor that you don't want to invite over to dinner (laughs) or, uh, you know, frat boy that never grew up. But I'd always wanted to be on camera as well as on mic, and it alone is one of those things that people think to themselves if they want to be an actor, oh, I'm not handsome enough to be an actor. Then no one would want to look at me, you know, and I for years knew that I would be the guy that would make good looking actors look better. You know, I'd be I'd be the villain or I'd be the the goofball or I'd be something. And and I think it's really indicative of the mindset that we get into, especially when we talk about being live on camera, doing business marketing or doing unboxing or doing influencer stuff or anything that you would do for for live stuff. You think, well, why would anybody want to listen to me? And then you get all wrapped up in your head about why you shouldn't be doing it. And I think that's one of the biggest things that keeps people from really stepping forward into their power and being able to do what they do on camera the way they would do things in real life.
0: Wow, we could go down a whole other rabbit hole on that one because <laughs> I, I totally agree with you, and I think that is a big, big issue for so many people. They, a lot of people don't necessarily like the way they look or the way they sound. I've had some very successful people in the live streaming world come on the show and say that in front of the camera, and you kind of think, really, you think that? But it's a, it's a struggle that so many of us have. That yeah. you know, maybe we were told that we, you know, don't have the right voice, or we don't, you know, maybe we don't like the way we look. I mean, I, I'm five sure. foot four. I used to have a, a real, I don't know, issue with my height because I was teased right. at school for being short. You know, but on live video, that doesn't really matter, does it? <laughs> but no, in uh, fact, yeah,
1: you, you'll find that you'll find that a lot of actors are short. It's funny because you meet people and you go, "Wow, you're not really anywhere near as tall as I thought you were," and. That's because the camera can be, can be posted up and down. You know, it doesn't matter. But I think you are a great example of somebody who fits perfectly in their skin when they're live on camera. You know, your excitement level, your energy level is fairly similar to what things are. You're a little calmer when you're not on camera. But for the most part, you allow yourself to be yourself. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that people have is they think, well, why would anybody pay any attention to me the way I am? I have to build a better version of myself before I go on camera. Mm. And you see people doing that, right? They're about to go on camera and they're like, we good? We good? Okay, great. Are we ready? Are we ready? We okay? Okay, great. Go. Right? They have this whole like stepping into a suit of armor thing that they feel they need to do and they don't. You don't, nobody does. You need to be understood and you need to have the energy to carry the room, but that doesn't mean you have to become someone completely different from who you really are because the authenticity that you bring as yourself is 90% of being confident on camera, allowing yourself to be you and allowing you to connect with your audience. It's such an energy drain to become this character thing, right? So there's the first tip. Just be yourself. And I know, like, really? That's all there is, David? But <laughs> the truth is, its it's so much easier. How much less energy would you spend that you could put into describing what you're doing, or showing the product that you're unboxing or delivering the message that you want to deliver, teaching what you want to teach, if you didn't have to worry about being somebody else, right? So true. But it's
0: it's hard because I think we want to hide behind this persona, you know, I mean, showing ourselves is, is a very yeah. scary thing to do. And in the marketing yeah. world, we hear a lot of um, stuff about, you know, your alter ego, you know, putting up this this different version of yourself. That's m- so. For example, if you're very if you're very nervous, if you're shy, then you need to put this kind of like opposite character on in order to get in front of the camera. And I don't know. I've always had a, a slight issue with that. I I know where people are coming from, but I totally get yeah. behind what you're saying. Is that you have to get comfortable in who you are. You have to put right. a bit more energy into it. I I mean I I call this heightened authenticity. So yes what you said about, you know, I I do put more energy in front of the camera, but I'm still, I hope that I'm still myself. That's, that's the, that's the idea.
1: Well, you can't help, you can't help but be yourself when you get this far into an interview. For example, Mm -hmm. I remember when I first started off in radio, I wanted to be just like Rick Dees or Don Imus or Casey Kasem, or, you know, the guys on BBC one in the morning, you know, I just wanted to be this version of my heroes. And yet the real me came out when I started doing talk because you can't have that pukey DJ voice for a long time. Once you get onto a phone call and right now, what you're doing is you authentic, you perfect because there's no like huge energy. Like when you started the show, yeah, you had like this big burst of energy. Thanks for coming. And all that, you know, it's sort of like the introduction and everything, but now you are in the mode of being Ian Anderson gray right? There's no artifice. There's no nothing.
0: No. That's that's good to hear. Well, thank you. <laughs> if you're watching live or the replay or listening to the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You know, what is it about yourself? If you're feeling brave, and I'd love you to feel brave because this is a safe place, put in the comments, what is it about yourself that is kind of getting in the way? Is it the way you look or the way you sound? Let's talk about that because I think those things, you know, it's those bits about you that actually other people can find attractive. So I, I, I definitely believe that. So I want to, you, you kind of talked a little bit about this, but I want to kind of go back in time. How did you get into acting and voice over work, which is primarily what you're doing? And you do a lot of teaching. I'm just kind of interested in how you got into that. You can definitely tell. You do amazing voiceover work. You've got this rich resonant voice. Have you always had that rich resonant voice? <laughs>
1: well, first, thank you. I, I don't I think of my voice not as I mean, I guess, yeah, there's a okay, thank you. But <laughs> I, I don't consider myself to be the big ballsy announcer that people tend to think voiceover requires. I just look at myself as a pretty effective storyteller. And I, I do have a little bit of the Dick Clark gene or the Stephen Fry gene in that, you know, I'm I'm older than my voice sounds. And hopefully that'll last for a while. But in terms of getting into voiceover, I was really excited about getting into radio when I was younger. I used to fall asleep under with a radio under my pillow, picking up far off stations from where I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio and just fell in love with the whole notion of radio and and how it could be so effective in in creating images in people's minds and every so often as i was in radio people would say hey come be in this stage play or you know do this little part on a commercial i didn't do much on camera or on stage work at all and then the weather in dc the weather in dc where everyone's in denial about the weather just ticked me off so much I wanted to move. And I said, if I'm going to move anywhere, I'm going to move to Southern California, and I'm going to see if I could take what I do on mic and do it on camera. So very late in life, uh, in my late 40s, my first job wasn't until I was over 50 heroes. I, I was 50 years old that month when I shot those episodes, the first episodes. You know, it was kind of like a second act for me. And I'd been through radio to the point where I was doing syndicated radio, national radio, top 10 market radio. So, you know, I was kind of used to being on a bigger stage and it didn't intimidate me to come to California and start all over. You know, I came here in 2003 and for the first four years I was here, all I did was train on how to work on camera. And so that's when I did it. I, 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 Really wanted to when I was younger, but I didn't. Once I got out here, I used what I, I call the Abraham Lincoln method. Abraham Lincoln once said, if I have an hour to chop down a tree, I'll spend the first 45 minutes sharpening my axe. And that makes quick work of it, right? If you've got a, a really well-honed tool, you don't have to hack away at it for a whole hour. You just slice through it in five minutes. And for me, I wanted to know everything about the business, how the the deal flow worked, how the production flow worked, who made the decisions, who were green lighting, what really my production partners, casting and, and producers and stuff wanted in a in an actor, what I was capable of doing. And I, I think that I wouldn't change a thing from from what I what I did when I first started. I, I even turned down being represented by an agent because I said, Yeah, no, I really don't think I'm ready yet. And he's like, You're the first actor that's ever said that to me. You don't want representation because you're not ready yet. Really? And he convinced me and I've been with him since. So I don't know if that answered your question, did it?
0: It did. It did. No, it's really interesting okay. to see, you know, the fact that you really honed into what are all the bits that you need to learn in order to do it. You know, and I, I think that's a great philosophy, no matter what you do, you know, in the, in the realms of live video, I think it's important to, to learn the tools of the trade, but kind of maybe what, I don't know what you didn't quite say this, but there came a point when maybe you took it too far and you didn't realize you were ready. This is, I mean, this is something that I've struggled with, which is perfectionism syndrome. I've I've tried to get everything perfect, and then I never, I never get started. I was procrastinating for ages. So, do you think there's a little bit of that? You have to be very
1: careful about that Mm. because you can let perfection get in the way of shipping, and you don't want to do that, right? I, I don't think I did. I think he struggled a little bit. I was represented by him for a year and a half or so before things really started to cook. And I think it was because I needed to finish off a couple of technical things, knowing how to address the camera, things like that. But I think you're absolutely right. People can go too far and, you know, I want to get all my pencils lined up properly and, Oh, I I can't do anything on camera unless I get a DSLR with a prime lens and I get built in (laughs) lighting in my, in my studio and, uh, I go, I have to get that mic flag that you have. That guy can't be on camera unless I have a mic flag, right? Isn't that what Ian Anderson Gray uses? Yeah, no, I can't do that. And we let our our fear of simply taking that first step to stop us from taking that first step. And it's one of the biggest chasms that people have to cross. Oh, my
0: goodness. Yeah. I mean, that we could almost end the show on that one because that, that is so, so true. Bye-bye. Um, it, it gets in the way, so it don't you don't have to have an amazing backdrop like David, or have this fancy microphone, flag, or anything like that. You just need to get started with you, a simple camera and microphone. Just get started on the basics, and yeah, get 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 started that way. So, how did you get into live video? Because we actually met, and I can't remember the year we met in Sunny. Southern California in San Diego at Social Media Marketing World. I, I don't know. Can you remember the year? When were you there?
1: Oh, well, I spoke there for I spoke there for maybe three or four years in a row. So it was either 2016, 2017, 2018, somewhere in there. And I was talking about sort of on camera things that actors do that people who do live video can do. You know, I think a lot of people are. Uh, surprised when they realize some of the technical things that actors do to look a certain way on camera and and how easy that is to reproduce with live video. So for example, the way I'm sitting in this screen in particular is so that Ian can frame me in the middle of the the frame. And when he puts both of us up at the same time, I'm not off camera or or, or to the left or to the right. But usually I will set myself up with the rule of thirds so that I can put things in the upper right-hand corner, little graphics and things like that. And I'm sure you do the same thing. The way I'm sitting right now is not squared to the camera, but with my left shoulder pulled forward, I'm actually rotated a little bit as opposed to being straight on on the camera. And this is very similar to how talk show hosts and Ian has me on the right of the screen which I would argue with Ian he should have it reversed because he's the host. And in Western culture, we read from left to right. I'm doing my left to your right, uh, or my left to my right. And so when you think about talk shows, except for Graham Norton, who completely blows all the rules all the time anyway, which I love him for. But if you look at most talk shows, you'll notice that the host is always on the right-hand side of your screen, looking to the left at the guest. And the reason is we read into people's faces from left to right, and that's a very powerful position to be in. Same thing with my shoulder turned. It's just more comfortable for the eye. And if I hadn't said anything about that, likely you wouldn't even know that that's what I was doing. If I was on the other side of the screen, I would likely turn myself like this, so that I'd be facing Ian's image, right? So there's all these little things that you learn along the way, but you don't have to know all of them to get started. So just get started, please.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And that's really interesting about the left and the right thing because I've seen people do it different ways. I can, I don't know. I just, I've always felt the way I've got it at the moment with me on the left and my guest on the right is feels right, and I, I kind yeah, of feel you that my guest. Do,
1: man.
0: Yeah, but no, but but I'm really interested in the in the psychology behind it, and I hadn't thought about. You know the way chat shows and things like that have happened. So you've you've got you've got me thinking, and maybe next week <laughs> I'll swap it around. It's good to try these different things. And you know, the, well, the, the
1: thing is, right now you have some some features about your image that may or may not work for that. Right now, you've got a microphone arm coming in with with the microphone on it, so it's a visible mic, and you're wearing headphones, and. You know, that may alter the image in a way that puts that microphone and stand in between you and your guest. So there's a lot of things to consider here when you're setting up your situation. Like when you look at a chat show and the host is in the traditional right-hand side of the screen, you'll notice that also they may have a prop mic on their desk, but that isn't the mic that's picking them up. They're usually lavaliered and also they have a boom mic as a second mic over them, right? So it's more of a sort of an homage to history that they have that desk mic there and they often will move it out of the way so that they can write on something or they can look at their notes or they'll do things and it's become kind of an anachronistic thing, but they still do it because that's what viewers are comfortable with. So I I can go down this rabbit hole forever. No, it's fascinating.
0: Fascinating. And of course, we could have a whole conversation about should you use a mic like I've got, which is right Yeah, center frame. I make a big thing of it with my microphone flag. And for me, the audio is really important because this becomes a podcast, but for not, not everyone, you know, if you're not going to make it into a podcast, then you you don't have to have a microphone on camera. I mean, you've got, have you got, um, what kind of microphone have you got? Is it like a a shotgun mic or something like that?
1: Yeah, it's a shotgun mic. I'll, I'll show it to you actually. It's just out of frame. Boom. (laughs) Here it is. Right. And the thing is, the the pickup pattern of this microphone is right here, right? It's right where it needs to be. And it's a style of working on camera that is, you know, one of many that you can choose from. I see a lot of people doing what you do, which is to sort of look like you're on camera on a radio show, right? So you've got your headphones on and you've got your microphone. It's a close play microphone. So the microphone that you're using, is that an RE20 or is that... It's so a Heil,
0: Heil PR-40. Heil
1: PR-1? Okay. PR-40. So the point is, that's got to be played close. You have, it's an end-load microphone, so you have to play it close. Plus, you've got a pop filter, a little aluminum pop filter in front of it. And so you have to do that to sound potent and strength-filled uh, on mic. So when you play this back, when you play the audio version of the podcast back, tell me if you think the presence that I have on mic is similar to the presence that you have on mic. It may be that when you listen back, you'll think, no, no, Ian's a lot closer to the microphone or they're both the same, whatever it is, it has to be at a level that is professional enough that your audience trusts you, that your audience will listen to what you have to say. And there's a million ways to skin that cat, but I spent 35 years doing what you're doing and I'll never put a set of headphones on again.
0: Oh, dear. Well, these are really comfortable ones. I feel nice and comfortable with these. though. But yeah. yeah, it's um, I, I, I don't know whether wearing big headphones like this or this smaller ones. I go through phases and I've just been doing a lot more of the kind of audio work recently. So I, I kind of like these, sure. but I'll, I might change later. So yeah. I, I did have this question. It's kind of unrelated to what we're going to talk about. Um, but I kind of want to ask it anyway, because I have asked a lot of our guests in the past, what's the most embarrassing moment that you've had on in front of the camera, either, either in your film work or TV work or, or with live video, what's, what's been a, an embarrassing moment and how did you, how did you feel afterwards? How did you get out of it?
1: You know, I'm sure I've had really awful situations where, you know, the microphone wasn't working and I didn't know it or the, the camera image that I saw wasn't being broadcast to the audience. But I have to say that very, very early in my radio career, I had a terrifically horrifying experience that basically told me, I don't need to worry about it so much. I was on the air and there was an engineer crawling around underneath the console that I was working behind and was, had, to, had to repair something on the console And whatever he was doing, it rendered my on-off switch for my microphone inoperable. And when I'm not on the air, I tend to use some, uh, you know, horse language from time to time. And I didn't know that my mic was still on. And I said some things that were very laden with curse words. And I was joking and I wasn't mad or I wasn't anything, but clearly everybody heard it. Or however many people were listening, heard it or... If they were listening and they weren't paying attention, they probably thought, did I just hear what I just heard? But what it taught me was you can't change things once it's happened. And so it's really not worth the time and the trouble to worry about it. Just do better next time. You know, our jobs are a series of honing and refining and shaving and making things a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. How do you get from using a built-in webcam on your laptop that you know, really doesn't show you at your best to a setup like you and I have, where we're using a DSLR with a prime lens and a shotgun mic, and we've got lights set up so that when we want to do something, we simply walk into the space and do it. You get there in steps. And if you worry too much about, you know, really ruining things with an embarrassing moment, that too can prevent you from shipping, you know, that, that bit of perfection or that, bit of fear about not making everything perfect. And this brings up something that I think people forget. And that is that people love us for our imperfections. People love you for your amazing exuberance and they love you for your focus. And they also love you for those moments when your mic is off at the very beginning of your podcast and you don't make a big deal of it. You just come on and say, yeah, it sounds like we were off the air for a bit there. Well, let's move on. It. Nobody is sitting there going, okay, Ian Ian screwed <laughs> up. He really screwed up. All right, this is going on your public, your permanent record. You're going to have to visit the vice principal on Friday afternoon. You're going to be suspended for a week, right? That doesn't <laughs> happen. And it shows our humanity. And I think the, the most admiration you'll ever get from friends, family, your audience on streaming, when you're working as an actor uh, on television are the, the frailties that you either succumb to or that you overcome. Because it shows you're not a piece of plastic, right? Yeah. And how many times have you looked at somebody who's really, really good looking, whether a male or a female on television, and you think to yourself, I wonder if they're smart. I wonder if they're just a, a good looking human being. You don't think about that necessarily with people who aren't models, you think, okay, why did that person get on the air? How are they on television? How are they in the theater in a film? How are they live streaming on? How did they become an influencer, right? And it's our imperfections that really draw people to us. And you'd yeah. think the opposite, but it's not.
0: It's so true. And just think about, you know, what, what attracts you to the, the videos, the live videos that you look, look at? Is it the fact that they are just human beings and being authentic? I, I think so. I, I always prefer looking at those. And, and I actually found I was looking through some Instagram stories, like this was over a year ago, and I found myself just skipping through quite a few. And I realized, I thought, why did I just skip through those? And I went back and it was because those were, they they just seemed... More fake. The people on it were weren't being themselves, and I instinctively sure. just went past. And I didn't even think about it. So I think as we do find that attractive, so we just need to be ourselves. And that so that brings yeah. me on to you know we're we're talking about maybe the psychology of things here, and I think the camera mm-hmm. can often do strange things with our brains. Why do you think that is? You know, when we, whenever you, uh, I don't know, you take, you, you ask somebody to take, can I take a photo of you? And then they immediately pose, you know, like this, or, exactly. or maybe they're getting exactly. nervous, you know, why, why is that? And how can we get over that and boost our confidence in front of the camera whilst, of course, being ourselves?
1: Right. So I think a lot of people have an image in their head that is born when they see finished, polished product on television on the net in theaters and they think that's what's expected, hmm. right? A finished product. And so I have no idea how to create a finished product, but I'll do my best. I'll try and figure it out. And when you take classes in it and you're trained in how to do it, you learn some things that you wouldn't have come to yourself if you just tried to suss it out with logic. Cause it doesn't make sense. For example, There's a notion in radio called the driveway moment. And the driveway moment is when you're listening to a radio show of some sort and you get to where you're going. Say you're driving home and you get to the driveway, but you don't want to get out of your car because you're fascinated by what's going on on the radio. It's got your attention and you don't want to leave, right? And creating those driveway moments are all about being real, a, a good example is we as human beings tend to want to fill the vacuum of silence. And so we create vocalization bridges like, you know, and so, and like, um, yeah, so because we're afraid that the person that we're talking to is going to completely drop their focus on us and lose interest if we don't keep talking. And the truth of the matter is, if you're in the middle of a huge story and you're just about ready to sort of lay bare the the payoff of that story, and instead of filling the gap with all kinds of vocalization bridges and, and little fill words, you actually just stop and create that moment of silence, that is so different from what most people do. At the very least, human beings that are listening to you or watching you will be caught by that silence and check. Is he OK? Did, did he just have a medical moment? What? Oh, OK, he's talking. They're not going to stop listening. It's a moment of draw in rather than repel out. So the best storytellers in the world use silence the way graphic designers use empty space to set up their stories, to give them a pace And a a pattern that gets broken, a pattern interruption at the end, just when you're going to deliver the punchline or the payoff, right? And most people don't think that's something they can do. Well, I certainly can't break the concentration that I've finally acquired from somebody, the attention that I finally have from them. I can't stop that with breaking the moment and then delivering the rest of the sentence.
0: So true. And silences are really quite scary to begin with. So I would definitely work at embracing the silence and particularly in interview situations, it can feel slightly, I don't know, a bit scary as if, as if you're worried about the other person, you know, losing their concentration or something like that. Why why do you think that is?
1: Well, here's a great example. I don't know that there's anybody left in the world that hasn't seen at least clips of the Meghan and Harry interview, and part of this is the editor. You know, Oprah probably shot four hours with them and then cut it down to to, to two hours. But when Meghan revealed that someone in the royal family had a conversation with Harry about what Archie's skin color might be when he was born. If you get a chance to watch that clip, watch how they set up Oprah to react to that. She looks at the camera and she goes, what? Not. Megan makes the statement and then she goes, what? No. There was that moment of silence where people who were leaning down, playing with their phone while they're watching the television, they hear nothing. And they pop up and they see this, this horrified look on Oprah's face. And then she says, what? And then they cut back. I mean, there's, there's all these little ways that the people that are telling you stories, and that's what you're doing, by the way, when you're doing live streaming, when you're on camera, no matter what you're doing, whether you're selling something or teaching something or commenting on something or interviewing somebody, you are telling a story. We are all storytellers. When you ask me what I do for a living, I say I'm an actor, I'm a storytelling coach, and unfortunately, I can't help myself. I'm a technologist, right? (laughs) So the storytelling things that we do are everybody's job. I don't care whether you're driving through a drive-thru, getting food. That person that's taking care of you is telling you a story that either makes you confident that your food order is going to be right and it's going to taste good and they're not going to put the pickles on like you asked them not to do or not. You you get this notion that they don't care or that they're too busy to pay attention to you. So no matter what we do when we're on camera, we're telling a story. And so storytelling skills, you think of people sitting around a fire and you know, ancient elders passing the story on to the, the next generations and all that. That's one form of storytelling. But so it is also when you call the bank and you get the recorded messages and you punch in the right code and it tells you the balance you have in your bank account. And the recorded voice says, your balance is negative $5.12. You are overdrawn. It's a sad story but it's a story nonetheless. And no matter what category of, of on-camera work you do, voiceover work you do, you're telling a story and you gotta get good at it. I am not sure if I answered your question, but hopefully I did,
0: did I? You, you did, and you answered quite a few other questions too, which is really, good. my job. Really good. <laughs> well, thank you for that. If you've just joined, welcome. This is the Covenant Live Marketing Show. I'm joined by David H. Lawrence, the 17th. We're talking about how to boost your confidence in front of the camera. You're
1: listening to the Confident Live Marketing
0: Podcast. We've been talking so much about some amazing things about how to boost your confidence. But just before we bring David back, I've got my second sponsor of the show, and that is the Launch Your Live, which is out now, actually. You uh, You can buy it now. The course starts on Monday, and this is how you can launch your live show and podcast in just 10 days. Here's a bit more information about it. Hello! Do you want to launch a professional live show and a podcast? You know, a regular live show is so powerful for so many reasons. First of all, it's a great way to grow your audience and community, people who actually want to work with you and buy from you. And of course, once you launch it, it becomes a powerful repurposing engine. Launch Your Live is a 10-day course that teaches you how to launch a successful live show. But not only that, it also helps you to launch your podcast from your live show. In the course, we'll cover how to plan, promote, produce and repurpose your live shows and podcasts. And I'll be sharing with you my templates and processes with you. I'll cover all the gear and tools that you need, including cameras, lights, microphones and live video tools such as Ecamm Live, Restream and OBS Studio. I'll show you how to use those things to level up your impact, authority and profits. I'll be sharing my top camera and communication tips with my Confident Live warm-up formula. And that includes things like improving your posture, breath control, addiction, and more, and getting over maybe that fear and anxiety that sometimes you feel when you press that go live button. The course is drip fed over the first five days. and I'll be giving live training in the group every single day for that first week. The second week is all about doing and practicing, putting all of that that you've learned into producing a successful live show and podcast. So I can't wait to work with you. What are you waiting for? Join the waiting list or sign up below. And let's launch your live.
2: You're listening to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast.
0: So all you need to do is go to iag.me forward slash L-Y-L. That's iag.me forward slash L-Y-L. Well, David, we're, we've talked about so many different things, but I know that some people are going to ask me this. So I'm going to have to ask you it, which is, are you actually the 17th David Lawrence? <laughs> uh,
1: yes, <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I am not a member of the Plantagenet. Here's what happened, <laughs> and, and, and I, I have like when when fans send me notes going, "How, how are you? How did you become the 17th?" I I built this huge story where I claim to have my family came from Scotland in the 1500s and they they opened the first fast food restaurants way back then, but it didn't work out so well because it was was fast food haggis. So, (laughs) um, but the truth of the matter is, is that when I joined the union, SAG-AFTRA, you have to have a unique name. And there were 16 other David Lawrences already in the union. And I was staring at my IMDb page and it had, because there were so many other David Lawrences, it had 17 in Roman numerals after my name. And I was on the phone with the union trying to come up with different versions of my name that hadn't been taken yet. And just on a whim, I said, what about David H. Lawrence, the 17th? And the woman on the phone with me, who was really fed up with going through everything, she goes, (laughs) perfect, click. (laughs) So there I was.
0: There you go. That was one decision that changed your
1: life. <laughs> Could have been and, bad.
0: Yeah, but no, it's, it's very distinctive, and it's kind of. By the way, in in Glasgow, because my parents are from Glasgow, I used to live in Glasgow. They they do have <coughs> deep fried battered haggis, and it, so it is a thing. Wow. You know, fast food haggis, <laughs> and it's also funny because I so I, I trained as a classical singer years ago, and I joined a, a union, and there were a lot there were quite a few other Ian Greys out there. And so I had to, oh, well, I'll use my middle name. So I had a middle name that I could bung in. So that's why I'm, I use Ian Anson Gray. So yeah, right. blame the unions. <laughs> yeah, so let's, it's all the unions' fault. It's all the unions' fault. So let's talk about, um, just before we finish, you've already shared so many amazing tips. I loved what you said about not, not going straight in front of the camera, but being at an angle. That's something that I'm going to be mm-hmm. thinking a lot more about. Have you got any other kind of camera tips that we can be thinking about when we're going live? And also... Yeah, in terms of like, not just physically in terms of the camera, but also how we, in terms of our voice as well.
1: Yeah. So with your voice, you don't need to push. What you need is a good microphone and a good placement of that microphone. You don't want to have to call out across the room to reach your microphone. I can drop my voice down to a very low level and my mic picks it up just fine. You want to make sure that you let your tools do the work, not necessarily... Limit yourself in how you present. So that's one thing. From a technical perspective, one of the things that people who have no, no idea how presenters do their job, how news anchors do their job, how talk show hosts, chat hosts do their jobs, people that were not, are not in the business, but they notice something. Just to call back to Megan and Harry, they notice that Harry's jacket was bunched up behind him. Right? That the, the the shoulder of his jacket was like poofy. And one thing you want to do, whether you're a male or a female and you're wearing a jacket, is sit on it. So as you sit down on the chair, pull your jacket under your butt and sit down on it to keep the back of your jacket from bunching up. People say, What do you do with your hands? I mean, like when you're standing, if you're doing a, a stand-up, what do you do with your hands? Do you, do you fold them? Do you pull you, you know? a lot of people will put their hands in their pockets or they'll they'll do the the now I'm about to share something really spectacularly brilliant with you or they'll clasp their hands they'll do all kinds of things and if you want to know what to do what people are trained to do as stand-up presenters is to have a home base like right around your belly and I'm cheating up above my belly but when you're standing right above your belly take your one hand your thumb and your your middle finger, and the ring finger of your opposite hand and grab it and hold it there. This is home base. And you can make little motions as you want to enhance what you're saying. And this will become second nature. This isn't something that you have to do. And when you want to break your hands apart and go, and, right, and then go right back to home base, it gives you something to do with your hands. Now that you know this, when you watch stand up reporters or when you watch the presenters on uh, entertainment shows, you're not going to be able to miss it, because you're going to see it all over the place. And so little things like that come to you as you do the work. You can't expect yourself to know all of these things at once. And so don't worry about it. You'll figure it out. If you spend your time with your hands folded for a few videos, you'll figure out why that probably isn't a good idea. And you'll see other examples, and you'll start to notice things. Just be open to what the industry and what the examples that you see on television have to share with you. I don't, what exactly, what's, what's your biggest challenge, Ian, when you, when you're on camera, what's your biggest challenge?
0: Well, for me, I think everyone's different, but I think for me it's because I'm doing so many different things, you know, I'm interviewing, I'm producing, I'm looking at the comments. It's, it's more kind of like getting my brain in the right Focus, so I can do all of those things. And and for me, I've got a lot. I've got. I've improved over the years just by doing it. It's just the practice. So to begin with, I was completely overwhelmed, and I've added probably added to the complexity over the years. But that's that's probably my my main thing is doing all those different things at the same time. It's it's a lot of things going on.
1: Yeah, it's it's in radio. It's called combo. You don't yeah. have an engineer running the board for you, so that all you have to do is talk on the microphone. One of the things that you do really well is you don't overconnect with the camera. I'm assuming that your show is safe for work, so I'm not going to use the phrase that we use (laughs) in the world of on-camera performance to describe what I'm talking about, but there are people who assume that you have to stay connected to the camera, and you can't for any reason break your gaze, or just like when you're talking with somebody and you fill in with words, all of a sudden people are going to not connect with you. You have to connect with the audience. And the truth is that drives people crazy. And you do a great job of connecting on a regular basis with the camera. But when you're thinking about things, you've given yourself the permission to look forward to the future and think about things in the past. You just did that when you were saying, well, for me, I kind of, you know, I have to talk and I have to, I'm producing at the same time and I'm watching the comments You gave yourself the permission to not look at the camera while you were thinking about those things. And a lot of people don't get that. They really overconnect with their audience trying to connect with them.
0: And it looks fake. I mean, I don't know what it's like in America, but a lot of the news channels, there'll be two anchors looking at at the camera. And and while one's talking, the other one's looking directly at the camera. And I've always thought that just looks so fake. It just like, the one person's just looking like looking there, trying to look interested, sometimes nodding. Well, <laughs> it's just yeah, awful.
1: You look for things like that, which is great, but know that the audience normally is looking at the person who's talking. And if the other anchor would turn and look at that person, that little motion becomes an attention grabber, and so people can end up looking away, wondering why that person is looking. So it's really interesting how that works, but you're absolutely right. And there are times when people are, are for example, using a teleprompter. And because they're, the camera, they have the camera set up so close on their face, you can actually see their eyes moving <laughs> slightly as they're reading on the teleprompter. So you have to train yourself. One of the things to learn about teleprompting is you have to train yourself to look right down the barrel of the lens and look off camera when you want to but take in the whole screen at once, not a word at a time. And it's a skill that, like if you watch the network news, if you watch the BBC, you won't see the presenters on the BBC you know, reading like this. They're also focusing on the back plane of the camera. So there's a lot of little tiny things to get a hold of, but once you do, all of a sudden things will change for you. And maybe you don't want to go down the path of being a presenter on the BBC, right? Maybe you just want to be yourself. I think that
0: might be a good thing. I think we need a bit more of that in the world, people being themselves. Well, there's so many other things we could talk about. It's been such such an amazing show talking to you about all these things, your wealth of knowledge. I'd love to pick your brains a bit more, but... Well, actually, I've got the pleasure of interviewing again, not on this show, but if you want, if you enjoyed this show, I'm inviting David back on the restream show that I've got. This is the Go Live With Confidence show. I think it's next week. In fact, it's next um, a week it today. Is. So yeah. that's, that's going to be fun. It's a bit early for you, though, David. I'm sorry about that to get you out of bed early, but thank you for being a it's professional.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, Sure. Appreciate it.
0: So, David, uh, how can people find out a bit more about you? And, and also, tell us about the apps that you have got. You've got a couple of apps that you were telling me about before we started pre- uh, broadcasting. I think people would be really interested in.
1: I uh, had to learn my lines really quickly for a last minute audition. And I thought, well, there has to be an app for that, right? And there wasn't. So, I made one. And <laughs> it's uh, probably the best selling app for actors to learn their lines, memorize their scenes explore their characters and so on. It's called Rehearsal Pro. And then I just developed an app about a year ago to fill in the gap when the Levelator, which is a, a, an app that I use as a voice talent, uh, wasn't available for Catalina called Audio Cupcake. My app is called Audio Cupcake. And they're just, they're just little apps that I would use if I didn't sell them to the public. So no big deal. You know, I didn't create TikTok, but <laughs> that's what I do. And in terms of Finding me, if you just Google David Lawrence XVII or just XVII in general, I'm usually coming up on the first page. And if you want to learn voiceover, I'd love to teach you. I mean, there are a lot of people that watch your show that are either professional or semi-professional at doing what they do. And my website there is VOHeroes with an E before the S, Heroes. Com.
0: Thank you. Well, we'll be putting all of those links in the show notes. So if you're listening to the podcast or you want to check the check this out, this will become a blog post at iag.me forward slash what which episode are we on? I completely forgotten episode one hundred six. <laughs> one hundred six. You you know, yeah. iag.me forward slash one zero six. This is what happens at the end of the show. My brain goes to mush. Well, thank you so much, David. It's been great to have you on the show. And of course, where on, you're on the socials as well. Do you do you have a particular social network that you prefer yeah, or hang out on? Yeah, I'm on
1: pretty much pretty much every social network. My my uh, handle is dhlawrencexvii. So you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I don't know, Clubhouse. Yeah.
0: Everywhere, basically. I can also see that Martin Buckland. I, I'm totally missed this, Martin. Sorry about this, but you've done your first LinkedIn live today. <laughs> how did it go? Well done, congratulations. I'm really proud of you. Let us know how you got on. So, is this going to be the start of a series? I'd love to know. And Martin, you need to. We need to get you on the show sometime. Well, thank you, David. It's been great to have you on the show. And just to say, do if you if you do want to join us live, if you're listening to the podcast or watching in the future. All you need to do is go to confident.live forward slash subscribe on my handy Facebook messenger bot. will notify you next time we go live. So thank you so much for watching and for listening. And I want to encourage you to level up your impact, authority and profits through the power of Confident Live video. See you soon. Bye.